We're starting a new series. It's called Be Different, and this is uh, the second week. Last week, we talked about the blessing that we have of hope. And this week, we're going to talk about the blessing that we have about love. Man, I got to tell you, I think this is a good one. I got wrecked with this one, and uh, this is what's changed my life, is the love of God. And I'm hoping that this is the difference between religion and uh, in a true relationship with Jesus. Man, if you can all help me, this is the best book in the Bible. If you are having a hard time reading your Bible, uh, you're going to want to check this out over the next week. First uh, John is right before Revelations. Uh, so there's John the Gospel, and then John, First John, Second John, Third John. You want to read First John. Powerful, man. It's going to get in your getter. And so First John chapter 4 I'm going to ask everyone, help me out this morning. Uh, would you all stand to your feet as we read the Word of God this morning? We're going to do the Catholic thing. Sit up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. And it, uh, John's going to say this. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living inside of them. Do you believe that? Yes. And they live in God. We know how much God loves us and have put our trust in his love. That's so important, man. I'm riding on God's love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more and more and more and more perfect. So... We will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first Loved us. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Whoo, boy, this is a good one. At least it was good for your pastor to hear this today. You got to know a couple things. Um, I believe that everyone is, is predominantly broken on earth. Um, and there's a lot of people that just fake it. So you get to know about your pastor, there's a broken dude up here. I've got a lot of hurt in my life. And I think you could say that about anyone. You know, hey, I, I have a word for you. I see a lot of hurt in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, but I, I, I do have a lot of hurt in my, from my life, from my upbringing. Uh, there were some people that I, I really wanted to tell me that they loved me. There were a lot of people that I really wanted them to be more in my life. And there were some, some people that I wanted to give my heart to that, uh, that kind of took it and let me down. And what's, what's hard about this is what we don't recognize is, especially in our childhood, is that that will teach us how we love moving forward. Well, life has a way of teaching you how to love. Life has a, te- a way of teaching you self-preservation. Because being hurt is a difficult thing. You know, it's like uh, you only have to tell someone that something is hot once. And for the rest of their life, they know, I don't touch what's hot. Well, it's pain 
in your hand or on your body is one thing, but pain in your soul is a whole nother. And so we actually do everything that we can to self-protect ourselves. We'll protect ourselves from our spouses. We'll protect ourselves from our parents. We will protect ourselves from our children, from our boss, from our coworkers, from our finances. There are many of us that do everything that we can to protect ourselves from the hardship of life. Now, there is a difference that we have as believers that the world doesn't have. It's an advantage. It's an ace up my sleeve. It's, it's, an, it's an unfair start. You get to know the love of God. And they don't. Now, I'm going to come back to that here in a minute because that's going to be a big point in this message. I think this is a good one. At least it is for me. I'm going to go back to this passage. Now, this wasn't my plan to actually talk about this passage, but I'm going to talk a great deal about it this morning. For all who confess that Jesus is God, have, have, have the, the Son of God, has God living inside of them, and they live in God. What you need to know is wherever you are in your faith, when you confess that Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit took root inside of you. Now, the rest of your life is figuring out how to grow the reality of that in your life. There are many of us that you, when you look inward, you don't see God. And I, I hate that for you. What that happens in those situations is you develop spiritual insecurities. It's awful. It's a real ding. I mean, it's not necessarily scriptural. I'm trying to make this practical. When you are in love with someone and you can't see the fruit of their life in your life, you develop an insecurity in that love. And when you can't see God loving you, you develop an insecurity. Well, you're not going to see God loving you if you don't actually make time for the relationship to bloom. And so this whole message is, is, is not about religion. Thank you for coming. Please be invited into the greatest relationship that anyone could ever give you. A relationship with the Lord. You must let him love you. Now, as this passage is going to unfold, we, he talks about how God's living inside of them. And he says, God is love, and all who live in God live in God, and God lives in them. Uh, but we must allow the love of God to grow in us more perfectly. Well, how, how, do you, how do you do that? You got to feed. What you feed will grow, and what you starve will die. You have to understand there's a baby inside of you to all the women and the ladies inside of here. You, you know, like you need to know that you, you're, you're pregnant, man. You, you, you're part of the bride of Christ, so you got to understand so you can pregnant too. Some of us are more pregnant than others, right? And, and so uh, what, we know, what we need to know is we got to feed this little boy inside of us. we got to feed Jesus inside of us. And the more that you feed him, he will grow. And the more that you understand the love of God is upon you, the more that the love of God will grow through you. But you need to understand something super important, guys. All of us want to be in relationship. You were designed for a relationship. Relationship with people is Valentine's Day. Some people are, are so upset today. I want you to know, wherever you're at in life, whether you're in a relationship or not, whether you are with a butthead, guys, it's Valentine's Day. There is an expectation that you must do. So uh, is, all of us desire to be loved. 
when you like, I need to, you to know that you're, you were designed first to be loved by God. Yes. And that is the overflow. But here's the problem that you need to know is that in your marriage, with your girlfriend, with your friends, everything going on inside of you will come out of you. Out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. So some of these blow up arguments that we've had or sometimes when like it may be with a coworker or a boss like we think of ourselves as the most loving people in the world there's a great statement that says that i i uh, i judge others by their actions but only myself by my intent and so oftentimes we don't realize when we're exploding it's because there are deep wounds inside of us and somebody accidentally stepped on an insecurity growing deep inside of you And it may not have even been that person's fault. It stemmed deep long ago from your past, from someone else that hurt you. But now they're going to pay the price. What you need to know is, I have a wonderful glass of coffee here, roasted by my friend JB, grown from the hills of Matagalpa, Nicaragua. Love our coffee. Thank you, JB. But what you need to know is um, everything inside of you will eventually come out. Um. I think about the insecurities that are inside of us. They're going to get on your spouse. And I know you want to love. And you see in yourself only the greatest intentions. But it's unfortunate for those of us that the scripture says, don't stir up and awaken love before it's time. Because if you're not ready to be in a relationship, if you're not whole, friends, you have to know how to be loved. You have to know how to receive love. So he's talking about that this love growing more perfect. And so, and do not, um, uh, but we have this confidence because we're like Jesus in this world. But, but for, for such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. I want you to understand that I'm not afraid to love others because I've been loved. Yes. Now, this is a difficult thing because of self-preservation. Many of us are entering into relationships saying, uh, this is my bank account and that's yours. Because I've been hurt before. Uh, many of us are saying, well, this is as far as I'll go. and This, this is as far as I'm going to let people into my life. I love going to church, but I'm not going to small group because I don't want people to get inside. I don't want people to know what's really going on. Perfect love casts out all fear. When I've been loved by God, oh, come on. When I've been loved by God, what can you do to me? It's crazy to know that he likes me. Deep inside all of us, there's this battle. Every human in this room deals with an insecurity. That you're not smart enough. That you're not good enough. That you're not talented enough. That you're not anointed enough. That you you're definitely can't preach like that guy or can't evangelize like that person or teach like that one or read the Bible or pray out loud. There are these comparisons that we put up. But perfect love... Cast all that crap out. When you understand that you're adopted, that God picked you to have a relationship with you, all that other crap of you're not good enough says who? Who told you you weren't good enough? There are these moments inside where we bottle up all of these fears and we explode on others. Perfect love casts out all fear. And we go on to say this, for if we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his 
perfect love. Now, God's inside of you. But you haven't yet fully experienced the love of God. What are you talking about, Pastor Tim? We love others because he first loved us. I'm looking at the world right now, and sometimes the church doesn't look any different than the world. You have to understand, sometimes I've seen believers enter into the marriage vow where we say, I I will love you. But then it changes when you don't love me like. So what's happening is we're learning worldly traits and applying them to Christian life. There's an unforgiveness. Well, like, when someone hurt me, you lied to me, you were, you were, you were mean to me, and so I'm going to keep you out of my life. But I don't see that the way God loves me. We love others the way Christ first loved us. Here's what you need to know about your pastor. 100%. I've lied. I've hidden. I've been mean. I've exploded on my innocent children. I, I've, I've been rude. I've coveted. I've had pride. You know what God has never done? He's never put me out. And I don't, I've never known a love like this before. It's different. And the way that he loves me is the way that he's asking me to love someone else. But it's hard in a marriage or with a coworker. Because once they hurt me, I don't want to feel that again. I know who they are, and I've drawn a line in the sand of how far I'm going to let this relationship go. But I don't see that principle in Scripture. The way Christ loves me is I'm all in and I'm after you. And I know that you screwed up. You broke this thing. You said it. You did it. I told you not to touch it. You touched it. I told you not to go there. You went there. I told you not to say it. You said it. I know what you did. And I still am coming after you because I love you and I want you. I've never known a love like this before. And you want to love. In your head, you dream that you do love. But I don't know if my love looks like the love that God has for me. Does this make sense? All right, now I'm going to get into some of the stories. I've only got a little bit of time to go over a whole bunch of stories. I feel the need to share way too much scripture all the time. But I feel the need, so here we go. Second Samuel chapter um, something. They're going to put it on the screen back there. Chapter 12. Here's what we find. I see myself in all of these stories. And it's hard. I find myself, like there's things that the world is teaching right now and we have to be careful, like, like uh, unforgiveness. The world is teaching uh, divorce. The world is teaching separation. The world is teaching judgment, like counter, or what is it, uh, uh, cancel culture. Like, these are gross things. And we say, oh, I would never cancel somebody based on something they did six years ago. Who are you lying to? Yeah. Like, we do this instantly. We look at someone and go, that's a bad person. You know what they did one time? We look at celebrities whom we've never met in our life. And we only know they did something bad because someone else painted a picture of them. And we forever cast judgment about what they did based on what someone else said about them. What if the Lord painted that picture of you? I'm so grateful the Lord will not cancel me. All right, I have to keep going. So here's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 12. 
I, I, I'm going to try to go quick. Are you guys all with me? Yeah. Hey, Jesus, I believe you want to speak to your church. Please don't let people daydream today. This is about you loving us. Cool. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell King David this wonderful story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. And the rich man owned a great many of sheep and cattle. And the poor man owned nothing but this cute little baby lamb that he had bought. And he raised that little lamb and he grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from the cup. He cuddled with it in his arms like a little baby daughter. And one day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing the animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David, King David, was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he'll leave out. Any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole for having no pity. And the prophet Nathan said to David, Hey, um, just wanted to let you know that story that I told you, you're the rich man. I anointed you the king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. And it's going to go on to say about everything that actually, David, you did wrong. But it's funny how you can only see it in somebody else's life. Yeah. What's happened to the church that we only see sin in other people? Come on. Why is it that we don't repent? Why is it that our sin doesn't hurt us? Why don't we remember that sin actually hurts God? Pride, covetousness, lust, greed. Why, why, why didn't this affect me? Why can I only see how nasty and filthy it is in someone else? And, uh, and here's what you need to know about my Savior Jesus. Then David confessed to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. The Lord has forgiven you. I love the mercy of Jesus. Today I find myself in this story as a man who has been so upset with other people's sin. I'm so mad at my wife when she does wrong. I'm so mad at my kids when they make a dumb mistake. I'm so mad at other... How have I graduated to perfection this early in my life? And where is my repentance? I think it's going to be really hard for me to love others when I don't recognize who God is actually choosing to have a relationship with. It's easy for me to look at you guys and be like, you know, God loves you so much. But when I realize who I really am and I think of the fact that God loves me, it's mind-blowing. The God of the universe wanted to meet with me this morning. That, I can't graduate from that. There's, there is no, it's like when my bride gets dressed up and she puts on a cute dress to go out and on a dinner with me. The day that you aren't 
head gaga over that. Like, you're an idiot. You are an, you are an idiot, says the Lord. You know what I mean? It's because we forget, like we want it so bad to be in a position where we can love and we get there and we forget to fix our heart. All right, I have to keep going. You guys still okay? You still with me? So there's some stories that I wanted to, to let you know. And so as I'm realizing that I was designed to be loved and it's my heart's desire to love my wife. It's my heart's desire to love my kids. It's the call of God on my life to love this world. Uh, but I get scared of the boundaries that I'm not setting up and what if they take advantage of me or what if, uh, what, you know, like what's going on? The problem is, if I understand this right, I take advantage of Jesus all the time. The invitation that I go to heaven and walk on streets of gold, I, I don't think I've done anything yet in my life to earn that. I'm taking advantage of Jesus. And it feels so wonderful to know that he loves me. Today, this is talking about you receiving love. So here's what I'm going to do. Rich, can I use you as my first example? Sure. All right. So um, we're going to do some illustrations today. Uh, some of you don't know this. This is spontaneous. Okay, watch this. So there are some worship postures. Church, I, I, you need to know we want to see people wholeheartedly in love with God. Amen? Okay, well, uh, you suck. All right. We need to see some people wholeheartedly in love with God. Amen? Here's what you need to know is your worship has to get better. We need to see people crying out for God. So I, I, I'm, I'm challenging you next week. I want to see some people raise their hands in church. There are some things that are not biblical but are biblical. So the scripture says that we lay prostrate before the Lord. We raise our hands, that we dance, that these are all scriptures. So I'm going to show you some of the hand raisings and what they mean. You know, no one's ever taught you this. It's not in the scripture, but watch this. This is Lord, I surrender. You ever see that one? Okay, I want you to, I surrender, Jesus. Lord, I lay my life down. This is what this looks like. Okay, y'all got this? Here we go. All right, all right, all right. Uh, there's a few others I'm going to teach you real quick. This is, hey, bro, let's hug it out. Ah, oh, you remember that one, right? Uh, this, is, this is one of everyone. This is Shawshank the Redemption. This is uh, I'm free, right? He just climbed through a pit of poop, and he gets on the other side, and it's raining on him, and I'm free. Oh, I'm free. Or, uh, or you'd call this the Titanic, right? I don't know. I'm in love, Jesus. I just, I'm in love. I don't know. Whichever one you want. These are glorious symbols of what God's doing inside your heart. And I promise, as your pastor, he moves on them. This is my favorite one. I do this the most often when God is ministering to me. Uh, this is uh, God's trying to, he's throwing his son down from heaven. And Rich, it's time to catch a baby. <laughs> catch a baby, y'all. All right, so this is, the catch a baby hold in worship is important because this is God ministering to you. I, you have to receive something that's important. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that I'm trying to be silly, but um, we're going to move on. I'm going to tell you some scriptures here. And Rich, I'm asking you, as I minister to the church, will you close your eyes? And what I need you to do is fully focus on, um, and I'm, 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 let me talk to you for a second. There are insecurities in you that your wife needs done away with. There are insecurities in you that your coworkers need done away with. 
And the only way I believe is for us to do away with those insecurities is to bring the truth of God into my life, that he loves me, I'm good enough, and he's with me. And you may not have found that yet, but there is nothing more powerful than being loved. And being loved by the king of kings is a love without condition. And that's one that can build us up. Does this make sense? This is not Christianese. This is Christianity. You have to meet with Jesus, and you have to receive his love. And Rich loves Jesus. And so, Rich, I'm just going to ask you to uh, catch a baby and close your eyes while I minister to the church for the next couple minutes. This is what you do on Monday morning. And you stay in this position as long as it takes for you to receive love. Because you can't go to work all insecure and butthurt that you're not getting promoted. You can't go to work insecure that your wife got mad at you because you didn't take the trash out. You can't go to work with, but we do. And the problem is when we do that, we're not different. We're loved. And because we're loved, he, he loved us, and now we love the world. And there's a radical difference in our, in, our, in our walk because of that. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. I'm going to read you a story. I find myself sitting in every seat at this table, and I hate it. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, and Jesus went to the home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with an expensive perfume. She knelt, she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she, she wiped them off with her hair, and she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if there were a prophet, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner, first of all. I find myself to be the Pharisee sitting at the table wondering why God's doing that to them and not for me. Why would God promote them and not me? Why do they get to have this kind of house or this kind of car or what about me? Anyone else ever done this? I also think to myself, there was a situation just last week. I got to take my son to a baseball uh, game, and uh, I'm a big baseball fan. I love the Boston Red Sox. And uh, the best player on their team for the last, like, decades was uh, Chris Sale. He won the Cy Young Award. He's the best pitcher in baseball. It's awesome. He was in Lakeland. He's from Lakeland. I got to take my son to meet him. My son thinks he's awesome, and I got to introduce my son to him. And, and uh, I see him, and I'm, I'm, I'm sweating. I, I, I can't believe I've got, like, cold feet. If you've ever been this before, I legitimately, maybe for the first time in my life, was starstruck. And I didn't know how to interrupt the guy to be like, hey, dude, hey, um, can I have, I mean, can my son have a picture with you? Um, and uh, when he took time to talk to my son and ask him what his favorite position is, and what, you know, he already knew he's a Boston Red Sox fan. I, there was nothing I could say. I wanted to just thank him so much. Like, I wish there was something I could give him to say thank you. And then I read this verse about a woman who threw her life down at Jesus' feet because of everything that he had done for her. And I began to realize that I, did, I forgot what gratitude looked like to be saved, to be loved, to have a roof over my head, to have a family. To have healthy children. 
to have, like, I am missing gratitude. And this woman, I'm seeing it in, and where is it in my life? I want to come back around to gratitude. Does this make sense? And Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, and neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at the woman kneeling there. Here, I have entered your home, and you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, and you didn't greet me with a kiss, but this woman hasn't stopped kissing me from the time she walked in the door. And you neglected the courtesy of oil to anoint my head, and she has anointed me with a rare perfume. And I tell you that her sins, though they are many, have been forgiven, and she has shown me much love. But the person who has forgiven only a little has only a little bit of love. And I think maybe that's what's wrong in the church. Maybe that's why we don't have extravagant love for Jesus. Maybe it's because we actually think that everyone out there is are sinners, but not, not I, I mean, then maybe it, did Jesus really die for you? What, what's going on in our life? Do, have, you, have you weighed at your heart and found sin? I want an extravagant love for Jesus because I don't deserve what I have. When I look into my life, I realize I am rich. I am blessed. I don't want to get lazy and fat and lethargic about the matters of my heart. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know what's beautiful about this woman? is Jesus gave her peace. He sent her on her way knowing, when I get up after meeting with Jesus, knowing that he loves me and he's just forgiven me and I and God, I don't deserve you and I love you. And I, you know what's so wonderful is I get up whole. I don't get up broken. I don't get up angry with anyone else. I've forgiven them. There's a, a, a quote that T.D. Jakes said. T.D. Jakes is the greatest preacher in the world. If you don't know, he's ridiculous. And he said this. He said, without forgiveness, there can be no love. Without love, there could be no forgiveness. The reason why I can't love the world is because I've not been forgiven. The reason why I can't be forgiven is because I have not yet loved. I want to love the Father. I want to be forgiven. I want to I be forgiven and love the world. Does this make sense to anyone? Cool, I've got to keep going. Rich, thank you for, for, for helping me out, man. I think that this is important because you need this time, Rich. I think, Mel, you need this time. Rico, I think you need, Brian, I think you need this time. Doug, I think you need this time. Ladies, I think some of you need this time. If you don't, you know what happens, poor ladies? There, you know, I feel terrible. It's not just you, that, that men that are insecure. And men, let me tell you something. You're insecure. Ladies, there's a comparison thing going on that if you don't know that you're perfect, you're loved. Yes. Yeah. Man, you'll take that out on the people you love. There's some good preaching going on right here. I'll tell you that right now. Come on now. I, I, I was weeping this morning hearing some of this. This is the story about, uh, here's another one that I need to tell you. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Uh, there are so many passages that I'm not going to get to today, and I'm sorry because I'm talking too much. But Mark chapter 1, there's a powerful verse. 
There are some of you here today that are struggling with loneliness. You want to be loved. Some of you are in a marriage and you feel like you're not loved. The problem is, when you give love, you, you will receive it, I, I promise. But some of you aren't ready for it yet, but I find that, that there's a loneliness even in the church. There's a comparison. Some of you right now today wished you were loved. There's a story that I, I think really relates to it, and I find it in myself, and it really unties a lot of things in me. Hey, Rico, would you come here real quick? Would you catch a baby? Your wife needs you to. Um, I need you to sit here, Rico, as I read this story, and I need you to allow God to love you. How do you do this, church? I, I ask God to, 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 to heal me. I ask God to fix me. I ask God to remind me what's good about I, I I will lean on a broken area of my life for an hour if it takes. But I want to get up whole. You know why? Because your church needs a pastor who's not insecure. Your, 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 your family needs a parent that's not insecure. Your, 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 your job needs some people that aren't insecure. And if I got this right, we have an unfair advantage that this world simply cannot have because we're called to be different because we've been loved by the king. Yes. So there's this scenario where I think a lot of us feel lonely or rejected. And... Um, I remember before I, uh, the Lord allowed me to be married, many times where he would just tell me, you're not ready to be married, you're not ready to be married, you're not ready to be married. I said, but God, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want someone. And he'd say, he'd say oh, I am your beloved and you are mine. And I had to lean into that and go, well, I don't know, God, if you're good enough. I'm not lying. But I want, I want, I want, I want someone real, Jesus. All right, I'm sorry. All right, so then, then I, I wait for him to be real and love me. So there's this story of this man who was for real lonely. He had leprosy. And um, leprosy meant that he was going to live the rest of his life not touching anybody, like, like for real social distancing, not like the kind y'all do. You know what I mean? And... Uh, he couldn't touch anyone. He could, no one could touch something that he touched. Man, can you imagine the shame of living the rest of your life not knowing touch? There are children in our generation that grow up broken because their parents never give them healthy touch. They don't know embraced. And that grows up so dysfunctional. Can you imagine knowing the rest of your life no one ever wants to touch you? Enter Jesus a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. I, I, I wonder, honest to God, I wonder what was more refreshing. To be healed or to be touched. I think, we, I think we just need to be touched. Like I think we just, for real, need to know, this world needs to know that you've been loved. 
This world needs to know that you are love. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is love. God loves you. And in order for the world to know what love looks like through you, you've got to first. But some of us, you got into a fight with your spouse or a coworker or all this stuff, and you're holding a grudge or you're mad at them. And the only way you're really going to let this go is husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for them. There is no quit in a believer. There's no boundaries. Like Jesus would say this to Peter, how many times, or Peter said, how many times do I got to forgive my brother? Seven times? Seven times. Can you imagine that? That dude's a jerk to me. Seven times. Nah. Seventy times seven. Like just keep going, Jack. How many times have I forgiven you? Love the hell out of them. Keep loving. And keep loving. Because every time you call on me, I'll be there for you. We're different. And this love, it breaks insecurities. I know some people that did you wrong. Join the club. Deb, would you come? Thanks, Rico. I was going to do a couple other passages, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Those kids down there can be crazy. <laughs> They're all filled up with sugar right now, climbing walls and stuff, and you don't know what's going on over there. But we want you to know, so sign up to help join a connect to, uh, serve team. 